if curiosity gets you from ops to executive, then curiosity is the way you're going to be successful at being an executive. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Modern Business Operations podcast brought to you by Tonkin. I'm Seth Colliner, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Mike McCarthy, the Chief Information Officer of Safe Credit Union. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that I feel is both incredibly fascinating and terribly underrated, which is the transition from ops to executive. Mike, to start, why don't you introduce yourself and then tell us a little about your current role and organization and then how you got started in this field in the first place. Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm the Chief Information Officer at Safe Credit Union. I oversee everything normal thinking of IT department, but also the ATM channel, the payments channel, and online banking and mobile banking here at Safe. Safe is a $4 billion credit union in really the greater Sacramento Valley. We're on a state charter, and so we have 13 counties where we can serve members each and every day. And really, the way I, I got to Safe was from the service. It's where I started. Uh, I was in the Army. And really, I came from a structured background. So I looked for industries with a regulatory structure as well. And so financial institutions seem like a great place. And it's been a great ride. Been here for just over nine years now and nothing but growth and positive learning. It's been great. That's great. So yes, you landed in financial services that spoke to you. Can you tell us about beginning in uh, the area of operations in in those financial services? Yeah. So when I started with SAFE, I came over as an information security analyst and engineer and then quickly rose to leadership in IT operations in the network space and then eventually inclusive of everything data center, systems engineering, help desk and all that. So operations is full of a ton of KPIs, managing, you know, day-to-day potential outages, performance, uptime, you know, all of those aspects you would think that aren't just financial services related. And then there's certainly financial service specific application sides of the house that you have to pay extra attention to, right? So online banking, mobile, or really the, the banking core mainframe itself is probably the most critical asset that we try to monitor closely. And so then tell us a bit about that transition going from that ops role to the executive role. Like how did that come about? Was that something you sought that it happened organically? Uh, just kind of walk us through that because I think there's a lot of people in ops that are doing this now or going to do this at some point in their careers. I think that's a really crucial detail to not overlook. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I think it starts with you know an individual curiosity or drive to want to be involved in making a bigger impact at any organization beyond your day-to-day ops role. And so as you start to look at that, whether it's a financial institution or not, you understand that it's really connecting what you do every day to business objectives that have nothing to do with maybe technology infrastructure operations. It's really how does it affect your consumer, customer, member. And so once you start connecting those dots and and getting curious about really how do you translate everything you do into business lingo, then you start to connect with, oh, this is how I can make a bigger impact. And so then I started, you know, just voicing opinions, volunteering you know, to support other areas or be part of the think tank or ideas with my direct leaders who were IT executives at the time. And then they gave me opportunities, right? I think that's what it comes down to. I certainly try to do that. And my career is full of great leaders giving me opportunities to showcase thinking a certain way or adding value outside of operations in a more strategic way. 
And so I try to make the most of those opportunities and share what I could and provide insights that led to positive outcomes. So I think that's really how it how it started. And then I think it was a momentum thing. You know, once I got there once or twice and they saw positive results, the momentum carried and there were opportunities for me, you know, right place, right time sometimes that with growth at safe, there were needs for executive layers underneath the CIO at the time. And so I started as a, a VP over the infrastructure space. Great. And what what's the biggest difference for you from your perspective from working in ops and then working at the executive level? I mean, what's what's the the biggest difference between those two? I think working in ops is maybe to put it, you know, the most concisely is solving a lot of, you know, short-term or immediate problems. And then shifting to an executive is trying to solve long-term complex problems. Like that's really the, the biggest difference, right? So if it's, you know, monitoring network capacity and performance and there's a snag, you get a you get an alert in ops. And so you jump in with a, you know, a, an incident team and you address it or remediate it. If it's more strategy-based, how do I get more market penetration or online banking adoption within your market? That's not some quick fix, right? It could be you know, a marketing campaign. It could be adding additional products and services or a combination of both and learning how to put all that in a roadmap with the resource constraints you have. It's just a much bigger, longer-term complex problem. Sure, that, that makes tons of sense, of course. I wonder if you can say more about this too, because one of the things that I've noticed in my career is that you know, so often as you, you know, go up a level in an organization, the KPIs shift, right? You know, and I think it's so critical to have um, people inside the organization that understand those high-level goals and that strategy, and then and then also understand what it's like working in those trenches, right? Is that would you say that's kind of a sweet spot? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Changing or shifting your mindset around the performance metrics is an absolute necessity when you go from ops to executive or thinking technology mindset versus business translation really to technology. So, you know, KPIs, right? Uptime, you know, all those traditional ops things. But in the business level, it's MPS, right? Which is a net promoter score or how your member or customer feels about your products and services or experience. They may come back and say something that is very business-minded, right? I didn't like the way that this payment was executed or stopped or something like that. The reality, though, is there's a technology component underneath that. And so it's being able to take that sort of performance feedback and really translating it one way or the other. If I'm briefing the business, it's a business way. If I have to bring that back to my team and say, hey, look, they said this, but it really means this to a technologist. Hey, I need you to go fix X, Y, or Z or come up with a solution. That is the mindset shift that is a big, big change. Another one is you know, maybe not the most glamorous, OPEX, right? So operation expenses and a ratio of that, right? Being able to control that at any organization, IT is normally an expense center and it's a large expense center these days. And so a technologist doesn't think that way. They want to do cool things and you know advance in technology. And yeah, they see how much it costs, but they don't look at the big picture of how does that affect the business? And so as an IT executive, you have to sort of balance both. I have to instill enough motivation to the technologist to want to execute on those new things, but I've got to balance you know, financial responsibility and how it hits the bottom line from an accounting standpoint as well. Right. Well, and would you say as those KPIs shifted, did you find that to be a fairly organic shift or did you have to, to work very hard to, to reconcile those things and to sure they're aligned? And let me give you an, exa- an example. Um, it's one of my very favorite organizational anecdotes that I experienced personally. 
at one point in my career, uh, there had been some changes in our, our large organization, and there were two vice presidents who had conflicting KPIs. And they were telling the same people downstream, you have to do this. And they were completely at odds with one another. It was, it was literally impossible to do both of them at the same time. I always think about that when I think about how do you realign those KPIs and how difficult it can be when you move into that managerial role. I think understanding the new KPIs was certainly a challenge. I wouldn't say it was the, the biggest challenge in becoming an executive, but honestly, if curiosity gets you from ops to executive, then curiosity is the way you're going to be successful at being an executive. And so I would ask a lot of questions of the people that I have around me have been there, done that, right? It's really about building those relationships and making sure I got their business explanation and back briefing to, to confirm that understanding and knowledge. So certainly a challenge took, I'd say, a fair amount of time asking questions and dialoguing and being curious, for sure. So you said that wasn't your biggest challenge. So what, what was your biggest challenge in transitioning to the executive level? I think the, the biggest challenge, and then it translates into like the biggest success I've had yet as an executive, was really learning that each and every executive or business partner I'm working with has a different way that they understand things and or want to execute things, right? And it could be whether they learn differently, right? If they're visual or kinetic, or if they need to read things in advance or have more prep time than the other one, or the analytics that they they think through that are important to their business decision or unit. I had to learn those per person. And when I first started as an executive, I thought, oh, you know, if I do all of these things, that always worked for you know, the finance team or the retail team. And I try to go apply that to the lending team. And I was like, well, wait a second. You know, that's not how they want to view things or the speed they want to work at. And so really learning the audience and being careful about how I'm pushing forward an initiative for the best outcome for safe with a different, I mean, it's just, you got to learn it through experience. So I think that was the hardest thing, mostly because it takes experience to get there. There's no other way to do it. You can't just walk into an executive role, I think, one day and, and just be great at it. You have to make some mistakes and, and learn from them. Yeah. And can you talk a little a bit about the process of, of kind of letting go of, of some of those operations, right? It's like it's this thing you're comfortable with, this thing you're good at, this thing you know, and you want to get in there and just kind of do it. But suddenly you're in this role where you need other people to do that and you need to, to be able to, to trust them. I mean, can you talk about the, the challenge of, of sort of growing yourself into that sort of space? That's a great question. I think, I think any good ops person is very much into the details, into the metrics, looking at all the time, having lots of collaborative conversations, but the details are important. And when you shift over to an executive, you're being asked or challenged to be more strategic thinking and let go of the details. So it is certainly hard to let go of that overnight. Was not perfect at it. It's all about building trust for me, right? So the next leader up uh, that we put in roles as I moved on, I needed to build trust with those individuals to know that I could let go of the operational mindset and the details to spend the amount of time I needed to on strategic thinking. Right. Totally makes sense. So you have to sort of develop those leaders, right? So, I mean, how do you develop those leaders to, to gain that trust? Yeah, trust comes with experience. But one of the things I learned from a leader before me, and, and I really truly double down on that, right? If you have some great leaders in your life, you take those nuggets with you, is asking more questions and giving answers. You know, I'm very good as an operational leader with individual contributor employees, right? Oh, this is what we're going to do. Or, oh, that's your idea. Here's how we're going to get there. When I 
transition to executive and it's more leadership that I'm mentoring, coaching, and building, I realized from some of the coaching I got, asking more questions of, okay, well, what, what should we do next, you know, Robert, or what should we do next, Shanna? And that made me comfortable that they came up with their own answer in responding to my question, which made me feel like I could trust them. They didn't need me all the time to answer every question. Right. That's such a simple and clear answer, but so many people don't do it. Management is a very, it's a very tricky field for sure. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. So, you know, at any level, whenever you advance, you know, up a rung of the ladder, so to speak, you're going to find yourself in charge of your former peers, right? It's not just now you have people reporting to you. It's people that, you know, are former peers, they may be friends, and suddenly, you know, they have to sort of answer to you. Can you talk a bit about what that's like at the executive level? Yeah, for sure. I certainly went through that experience here at SAFE and even before in the Army. It's uncomfortable, right? We're all human, like, let's be honest. Somebody maybe wins or loses, especially when you're competing for the same position and one person's elevated and the other's not. I've been in both scenarios. I think what it takes is whoever is elevated needs to and should take on the burden of being the bigger person. And that's by showing more patience and more empathy for the person who's now you know, not appear and, you know, get through those uncomfortable situations. I think the last piece, which is probably the, you know, the hardest part for any of us is trying to remove as much emotion as you can as the newer elevated leader from those scenarios. So even if the person you were appear before is expressing something that you did was uncomfortable or, or made them feel a certain way. Yes. Very, very much empathetic, but don't get caught up in my own feelings. Right. It's harder to be the person that didn't get elevated than the person who did. And so trying to work through that and being the leader in just that aspect of the relationship, I think is really important. Sure. And what about your your new peers, uh, your fellow executives, right? You kind of go from the ranks up to the executive level. What were the interesting challenges there? You know, I think it's not even just an executive level thing. I think any new team you join in life, any new organization you join in life, there's a natural tendency for all people to you know, size you up, right? You know, what does this person know? How hard are they going to work on things? Where are they going to help me and support me? And so working through that again with experience in showing that you can do it, right? So my big emphasis has always been holding up to commitments with my business partners and also trying to offer assistance and, and really just got to deliver. If you offer assistance and don't come through or don't, you know, deliver on a commitment, then you're certainly not going to, you know, build trust and, and have equal opportunity for your initiatives to keep moving forward together. So that would be the biggest thing. You know, another thing is realizing when you're a new executive, that's just what you are. And so the other people are more experienced than you, you know, lean on them. They, they've done this before. Uh, they may not be the same division or, or role, right? They may not be a technology executive, but that doesn't mean that they don't have experiences that you can learn from. And so being humble at some, some level and keep pushing that curiosity forward is important to relationship building and learning. Sure. 
When you joined your current executive team, can you talk about a challenge that maybe you faced, like a specific challenge that maybe you faced and how you dealt with it? Yeah, it was kind of what we, we touched on a little earlier is trying to push forward initiatives, but not doing it with the right style or background information that a changed you know audience, maybe I was working with a new business partner, I had him before. And so trying to figure out what are the things that are important to them and why and delivering on those to make sure that I could, you know, push those initiatives forward appropriately. You know, it's it's interesting as we've talked and as you've, you've described the ways that you approach management, you know, with, with peers, with colleagues, uh, with new peers, with uh, with old peers, and just your overall approach to to the whole transition and into new KPIs and understanding all that. It's it strikes me that that's how I think most skilled ops professionals communicate regardless, right? It's like you have to go in and you have to understand all the needs of the different people. You have to understand, right, their emotional states, as you've talked. You know, you go in, you want to bring in a new piece of technology to this team and you have people that don't want to do it, right? How do you, how do you tangle with that? And, you know, at this level, it just happens to be that you're the executive. But it seems like that that skill set still applies. Would, would you say that some of the, the techniques you've learned, some of the skills you've learned, came from your experience uh, as an ops professional? Yeah, definitely came from an ops professional and lent well, right? Like execution, right? There are great executives that are strategic thinkers. And then there's great executives that come from an ops background like me that are great at execution. And I think that is one of the huge benefits, right? Project planning, you know, budgeting, and then delivering on all the tasks within a project on time. That's definitely a strength that I lean on a lot to make me successful. But I'm Maybe I'm not as efficient or proficient in strategic thinking and maybe specifically in, you know, in my world, how a financial institution needs to gain market share. Like there's definitely way more business things mixed into there at an executive layer than a, an ops guy in technology. But I, I do agree with that. I think something that I was fortunate enough at SAFE when I became an executive that transcends across any you know, discipline, not just technology at the executive layer is a bigger emphasis on change management and that concept of, you know, you kind of mentioned it, how do you get people to want to change? It's one thing to be a technologist and ops and go, you know what, you want to roll out teams? Okay, well, here's the 1700 steps we're going to take to do that. It's another thing to say, how do we get Seth to want to use teams? And that was a shift in mindset that I didn't know at the time. And we were fortunate and safe to have people that were you know, experts in that field and understood that it starts at the top. So executives really leading change management makes it easier for people to adopt technology and other things or change. Sure. So I guess this is a kind of the big part, you know, what advice do you have for the people who who want to advance to that executive level who are in ops and they're kind of maybe where you were at as you were about to make that transition? What would you tell them? What advice do you have? Yeah, I think one of the the things I learned early on, and maybe even my army career, you know, each step, and I think it just gets longer and longer or further out as you move up. So you could still be an you know individual contributor, and this will lend you well to getting to management and ops, and then to executive layer. But it's essentially anticipating the next thing or anticipating the task, and so we call those implied tasks, right? So you could tell me as my leader set that you know you want X, Y, and, and Z, but anticipating or trying to think about what didn't Seth ask for, but underlying he did. And and that's a deliverable that I I need to come to. If you start doing that early on in your ops career, you're exercising the same muscles in, in your mindset of forward thinking. And so all that happens is 
ops are maybe shorter term implied tasks that you're coming up with and delivering on. And when you shift to an executive, it makes long-term strategic thinking, I think, come easier because you've been doing that at least at some level, right? And so it's just now, it's not next month or next year, it's three, five years out. That totally makes sense because it's all it's all strategic, right? I mean, ops people are strategic. I mean, it's, that's that seems uh, to me it seems built into the to the role. And and you were saying it's just it just shifts what you're strategic about and the scale of what you're strategic about. That makes great sense. And maybe like ratios, right? Like when you're in ops, you do some strategic thinking or something like that, but it's 80-20 split, right? Eighty percent execution, twenty percent long term thinking, and then it, the ratios totally change when you become an executive. Well, that's a fascinating insight. I love that. What's next for you on on your executive uh, career journey here? Well, getting getting better at uh, change management. We've gone through a few big transition projects like Teams, onboarding Teams to the organization was really my first one. And then we just went through a banking core conversion here at SAFE and was led by a couple other executives, but I had some participation. And so really digging in and getting better at change management to drive adoption internally, and then really wanting to take those skills and reuse them and work with our marketing teams and retail sales and all those other teams to try and drive our member or customer adoption of technology, right? Moving more transactions and business from maybe in-person or or branch spaces to ATMs, online banking, mobile banking, things like that. Sure. You know, one thing I'm really curious about, I would love for any insight you have on this topic can you speak to some of the challenges you faced, whether as an executive or as an ops person, in managing through the pandemic? Especially, you know, we have all these shifts to remote work and everything that came along with that. And then there's new technological challenges to solve, right? Can you just speak to, to how that was and, and some of the things that you were able to accomplish? Yeah, maybe a couple of them. So interestingly enough, you know, we're, we're all fortunate. I think it was 100 years before that, that we had really a pandemic in the United States. And so nobody's really been through one recently, right? But coming from a military background, and then even if I put that away for a second, being an IT ops, a career in IT ops, you are specifically experiencing geared towards operating to incidents, outages, issues, and having that sense of urgency and think on your feet, problem solving in the moment. I think that actually that ops mindset lended well to respond in the pandemic. So in, in one thing, I could tell just when things were spiking and, and I was already on the executive team, you know, rate cases were going up, like we we need to go buy every laptop we can find because we had a bunch of in-office employees. We were hardly remote. And I, I had this sense that we need to beat the crowd here to get into the supply chain because all this stuff is going to be gone. And it took a little bit of pushing. And, you know, most people don't think in that sort of incident uh, or disaster response mindset every day. And so trying to get people there. And, and we're fortunate enough, I think we got there earlier than a lot of our peers or even non-financial institutions in this space. And we we were literally, I sent people after getting approvals with corporate credit cards to, you know, Best Buys and Targets and all kinds of stuff. And we were grabbing, you know, the maximum number of laptops you could proactively. And then literally overnight, if you go to Hewlett Packard, Dell, whatever, you couldn't buy laptops for six months, eight months, like you couldn't get a single one. So I think the ops mindset helped us a lot there. Other challenges is, you know, to your point, the shift to remote work and what's the fine balance there and making sure everybody had the right equipment, the right bandwidth, the right support. And then really, I think the biggest challenge as an executive team we've gone through is maintaining culture, trying to maintain culture in a remote environment. We have a great culture at SAFE. 
And a lot of that came from our in-person interactions. How do you do that when everybody's remote? Or how do you do that when you hired you know, 10 new people and you've never met them in person? I think everybody's going through that. But that's where we put a lot of our focus was you know, doing fun things, doing remote events, trying to use video um, instead of just phone calls and encouraging people to use video, but not to a point where they're exhausted with it. So there, there was just so many things that every one of us, you know, in the world had to try to adapt to overnight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your comment about the supply chain, I, I remember distinctly where I was at that time, uh, we were doing in-person events. And of course, we we had to convert them to um, virtual online events, you know, overnight. And we couldn't get webcams. We thought, oh yeah, let's uh, invest a little bit of money in, in good webcams. And so we can do that. There were, there were none. <laughs> that happened so fast. I remember going through similar things in our end. Good on you for having the foresight to, to grab the laptops when you did, because yeah, they were going pretty fast. There's a bonus anecdote I want to I want to talk about very quickly because I, I I think this is really funny and enjoyable. So Safe Credit Union, you know, at first you you assume the name you know Safe like you backed into the acronym because oh yeah Safe that'll make our customers feel like we know what we're doing and and all of that and and it probably um, you know the acronym is is sort of nothing but that's not true at all. Can you say where the acronym Safe came from? Yeah yeah. First of all, I'll validate. If I had a dollar for every time somebody makes a pun about safe, it's safe from the point you're making, I'd probably uh, be pretty rich right now. But yeah, really where we come from is there were two credit unions on McClellan Air Force Base in the Sacramento Valley here. And one was a civilian federal employee credit union and one was a uniform service credit union at that Air Force Base. And really they, they merged and the acronym means or stands for Sacramento Air Force employees. That's what SAFE is. So it really has a military heritage, which we're very, very proud of. And so we expanded from there and, and then really changed from a military charter to a state charter where it's you know 13 counties. And if you live or worship in those counties, you can be a member. It's kind of an interesting story. I mean, even before that, the funniest you know thing was they were they were actually at an acronym of SAD, which was the Sacramento Air Depot Credit Union. So I, I'm glad they all had the foresight probably pretty quickly uh, at that merger point to go from SAD to SAFE. I think that's a good good choice. I love it. That's a great anecdote. Well, Mike, thank you so much for talking with us today about everything involved with transitioning from ops to exec. Mike McCarthy, CIO for SAFE Credit Union. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Seth. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 